This is episode number 21 with head strength and conditioning coach at Xavier University, Matt Jennings. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Uh, That helps the overall rating of the show. In this episode, we go over the technology that Xavier University has implemented in their strength and conditioning programs with their athletes. Um, We get into a little bit of Coach Jennings' background in athletics, um, him growing up lifting weights. He was destined from the beginning to, to always work in athletics. Um, we talk a little about you know his personal uh, lifting philosophies uh, and what he does with his players. You know, lifting heavy in season versus off season. Um, you know, Coach Jennings specifically said he, he never wants to maintain even in in season. Always trying to get better. Uh, he started implementing um, uh, lifting barefoot with a lot of his athletes. Um, you know, working from the ground up, um, producing force with foot uh, contact. Um, talk a little bit about nutrition and sleep and how, you know, I didn't really even know this, and you're supposed to sleep at 68 degrees Fahrenheit each night. Um, and then last, we give a, uh, a shout-out to a, a former teammate of mine. Um, I asked Coach James who was the strongest athlete in the history of Xavier University, and uh, I guess you guys will have to find out, you know, listen to this episode to see who that is. So I appreciate Coach James coming on. He gives some great information you'll easily be able to tell how knowledgeable he is um, in this industry. He's been doing this for over 20 years, and he's seen it all. So I think you guys are going to learn a lot of information and uh, really enjoy this episode. So without further ado, Matt Jennings. What's up, everyone? This is Patrick Jones. You're listening to The Road to the Show. Today we have on Matt Jennings, head strength and conditioning coach at Xavier University. Coach, thanks for stopping by today. Oh, Thanks for having me, Pat. I appreciate it. So how did you know that you wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach? Uh, in a nutshell, I think athletics has always been in my blood. You know, My dad was a coach. My dad was uh, a football high school coach. Uh, my dad uh, played college sports as well. It's just been you – know, both my parents are educators. Both my parents spent over you know 30-plus years in the North Carolina school system – uh, they have that, that servant-oriented, you know, leadership, servant leadership in their blood. So I think it was handed down to me. And uh, I think I just knew I've been around athletics all my life, and that's really all I knew. Um, playing, you know, high school sports, so to speak. Uh, played football at the University of North Carolina. Um, just, you know, wanted to stay in athletics. You know, I think that was just a, a calling and a blessing to be able to do it. And, you know, I, I give my, my parents credit for that. And like I said, my dad being a, you know, coach and administrator, so to speak, is, was always an influence on me. And, you know, just uh, just the, the route that I naturally took, and and you know, enjoyed the route, and, and never looked back in the rearview mirror, and always keep moving forward. It's always been a good good profession for me. It really has. So growing up, did you like? Were you obsessed with like lifting weights and training? Or you know, I wouldn't say it was an obsession, but like it was part of the process. You know, I remember uh, you know in the basement of the garage. You know, same thing. My dad, you know, being a high school football coach, administrator, et cetera. You know, we had access to equipment. Uh, always had access to the high school weight room. Uh, my dad is very, uh, very hands-on and can do a lot of things with his hands. And you know, he built us a squat rack and, and built us a bench. And we had a barbell set, my brother and I, et cetera. So you know, pull-up bars. So we had the the rudimentary basics. You know, really, you know, good barbell sets all you need sometimes. And you know, like I said, I wouldn't say it was an obsession, but it was taught to me early on. It was a necessity if you want to excel in sports. You have to have the uh, you want to see the physicality and the mentality behind it. And training was always part of that. That if you want to be healthy, if you want to be safe and sound, and you want to be able to maximize your athletic performance on the field, you got to do, you know, just as much work behind the scenes. And part of that is your strength training. Yes. 
So you've been at Xavier now for nine years, I believe. Ninth year, yeah. Ninth year. Um, how has technology changed how you've trained your athletes over those nine years? You know, for us, you know, there is a lot of technology. You know, I think the, the strength and conditioning world uh, has ebbs and flows. Uh, right now it is technology-driven. Uh, me being a little bit older, I'm 43. I've been a strength coach now here at nine years, but total 20-plus uh, years. Uh, I still feel like you know, we're going to embrace technology here. But also I feel like, you know, we have to be rooted and have fundamentals in the actual, you know, tried and true strength and conditioning principles. Um, you know, lifting weights, you know, understanding energy systems when you're conditioning, uh, working on mobility. You know, obviously, you know, once again, we got to be a jack of all trades, master of none, so to speak. Uh, when you throw that other, you know, element into the, the mix with technology, it's just another discipline that you need to be uh, aware of and abreast of. But uh, we want to be really good at certain things. You know, too much variety for us, in my opinion, can be bad because you don't get good at certain things. So once again, I want to make sure that we're going to be good at lifting weights and being fundamental and technically sound. Uh, bottom line, you know, health, safety, wellness of student athlete is job number one for us. And whatever we're doing modality-wise, you know, whatever it is, you know, if technology can help us with that, um, in the sense, you know, we're using technology for Xavier. We have a gymware system, which is, in a sense, like a Tendo unit for, for some people that may understand that. So we're tracking, you know, velocity of bar movement in our racks, you know, with different exercises. You, can, you know, any, any exercise you can do, jump, you know, strength, et cetera, you can track it with gymware. Um, we're using heart rate monitors. We're using the heart rate monitors for our conditioning. Uh, we're broadcasting you know, our heart rate variables on our TVs. Uh, we're going through our training with, like I said, for our men's basketball program right now. Uh, in our preseason, we did heart rate training uh, with our treadmills, versa climbers, et cetera. Um, we're trying to you know, understand, you know, there, once again, I think some of the sleep tracking uh, devices are being useful for some people. Uh, there's still, once again, a lot of people with their, their hand in the cookie jar, so to speak, with, with technology. We're trying to filter through that. We're trying to figure out can we connect our uh, ourselves with sports medicine, with administration, with some sort of uh, you know platform that, that can help us you know monitor you know paperwork and administration work, et cetera. So there's a lot of exciting things that are out there. We're trying to filter through it and take a good look at it and make sure it fits what we need. In the same sense, let's not forget what we're here for, and we're here to train athletes and make sure that we're – you know, physically stronger and mentally stronger, and we're taking care of them in that sense. Let's talk a little bit about the the gym aware. Is that that's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, when you track that, you, is it like a certain amount of weight that you track, and they're just trying to move it as fast as possible? You know, so what we have is an iPad iPad setting. So we have eight iPads. And we put them on our racks. You know, the racks attached to the gym aware uh, technology, which is a uh, computer unit which has a band which attaches to our, our bar or implement you can attach to yourself you put a belt on you can do jumps with it etc so yeah in a nutshell you're tracking movement you're tracking velocity it's power it's wattage there's different settings you can put on that athlete profile you can have you know patrick boom picture athlete profile baseball uh this is our exercise selection this is the the, the workout order etc this is how many sets and reps so it's actually like a paperless workout program and then we, once again we can program and track you know by starting recording has cloud-based technology, we can store information. But once again, in a nutshell, we're going to track velocity and bar speed, you know, movement speed. And then uh, going off on that, when it comes, you know, that's the strength part. From the conditioning part, um, what exactly do you? What's your philosophy on conditioning? You know, when we're talking about you know sports-specific conditioning, which I think you know sports-specificity can be uh, sort of a demonized term sometimes, and we can you know get our soapbox about that. Um, shape is important. You know, for me, taking care of our basketball program here at Xavier, um, you know, the, the guys that are in the best shape are the guys who are going to play the longest. Um, understand that if it's a 40-minute basketball game and you're only in shape enough to play 20 minutes at 100% and then you're playing 10 more minutes at 50%, like you're not being very productive, um, shape is really important. You know, also understand those energy systems. Basketball is a dynamic sport where there's 
aerobic base, there's anaerobic, et cetera. You know, when you talk about different sports, you know, soccer is similar. Volleyball can be different. Baseball obviously can be different, you know, depending on what position it is, you know, pitcher, position, et cetera, infield, outfield. Um, but once again, understanding energy systems, understanding how conditioning is important. Uh, shape is very important, though. You have to be in great shape to, to order to compete, compete at a high level, compete at 100% for, you know, the time that you're out there on the court. So shape, you know, it's really important to get in shape and, and stay in shape. Is, is your goal, would you say, uh, for your athletes specifically, I guess you could talk about basketball, is that when they step out on the court, if coach needs them to play all 40 minutes, that they can easily do it without taking a break? You know, we have a couple players that, that are getting at those minutes. You know, last year we had a couple players that averaged 36-plus minutes. Um, and once again, were those 36 minutes at 100% effort? You know, probably not. But once again, your best players are going to play, so you want to make sure your best players have that shape and that ability to potentially play 40 minutes or 45 if you have to, if you go to overtime. So uh, especially as you get in these preseason tournaments or postseason tournaments where you're playing, you know, back-to-back or every other day, you know, it's – the shape's important. You, know, you really have to be in, in, in the best physical shape of your life in order to go up and down the court for, for that 40-minute time frame. Let's talk a little bit about you know your specific favorite exercises. Um, sure. What do, you, what do you like to do specifically for your athletes? You know, I always follow a, a pattern, um, and this is something I learned from, from Coach Dan John. If there's a name out there people want to write down, Coach John, uh, Dan John. So anyway, the, the, the pattern has always been the sense that you're, you're going to do some sort of push some sort of pull, some sort of hinge, some sort of squat, some sort of carry. Um, so that push-pull is upper body. So upper body push could be – and I'm a big proponent of bodyweight exercises. I think there's always a foundation of doing bodyweight exercises and doing those well. Um, push-ups, pull-ups, dips, you know, lunge, squat, step-ups. Uh, those are things that you can do on a daily basis and get blood flowing, help with recovery, with movement. It's not overloaded because you're just moving your body weight. Um, I think it's, you know, body weight exercises are really important. So upper body pushes could be in the sense of like a push up. It could be a bench press. It could be a shoulder press, any kind of pushing movement. I like to do things that are multi-jointed, a major muscle group. Uh, there is time and place for isolation movements. We're doing incorporation. There is time for isolation where if you want to do, you know, bicep curls or tricep push downs or shoulder shrugs, and that's always in the program too, but the meat and potatoes of the work is going to be, you know, that push, that pull. So upper body pulling could be, you know, pull-ups. It could be, you know, machine rows, dumbbell rows, uh, lap pull-downs, et cetera. Um, I always take the approach of, and this is one thing that I've learned, is that a lot of people when they walk in the weight room, they see what they want to train. They look in the mirror and they see their front of their body and they train what they see. Really more important, t- train the backside of the body, the posterior chain. You know, a two-to-one philosophy for us, we're going to do more pulling than pushing. So when we hinge the backside of our body, so a hinge pattern could be something like, you know, an RDL, kettlebell swing, uh, glute ham raise. Uh, if you want to isolate, it could be a leg curl. There could be, you know, different, you know, glute ham bridges, et cetera. So that's a hinge pattern. So once again, train that twice as much as we do our squat pattern. But like I say, squatting is, is, is squatting. That, that, that squat movement could be a back squat, front squat. could be a leg press. You know, if you want to isolate, it's more of like a, a leg extension, which is, you know, not a squat pattern, but it takes care of that, you know, that front side of the body. Uh, goblet squats with kettlebells, uh, a belt squat with like a pit shark, uh, machine squat. We have a Rogers, you know, you know, pendulum machine squat. You know, there's the squat pattern is, is uh, you know, takes care of that. And then the carrying aspect is, you know, some sort of tough finisher. You know, we call it a carry where it could be a farmer's walk, you know, different patterns, you know, carrying a suitcase carry, a waiter's carry overhead, uh, alternating right and left. Uh, it, you know, it could be something like sled push or pull, you know, some sort of tough finisher for the workout. That's always been a format that serves me well. Um, at times, depending on seasons or programs, it could be a quick lift before that. So it could be, you know, if you're an Olympic style coach, you know, it could be a snatch or a jerk. Uh, we're using our jammer arms and our sore necks racks, you know, to do 
uh, like a, a jammer arm press um, or jammer arm snatch. Um, so we're taking care of a couple things like that depending on our sport or season. Um, we always do weighted abs. That's always another thing we throw in there. Uh, the grip part's important. We've we designed our room with you know fat grip dumbbells, so we're getting our grip training every time we touch a dumbbell. Uh, we're using fat grips like for our auxiliary lifts. Or our, like once again, our cable system we're doing with our basketball guys right now. We're in a session of we're finishing our lifts with you know upright rows, front raises, tricep push down, bicep curl on our cables, and I'm using fat grips. So I'm accomplishing that grip training at the same time. Um, train the body is one piece. Train the body from head to toe, front to back. Uh, there is time to incorporate and isolate that type thing, but uh, like I said, just take a real simple approach. I think I think you shouldn't be reinvent, reinventing the wheel. Uh, you know, tried and true training principles have been that way for a long time. It's all about progressive overload. It's all about you know effort, intensity, you know hard work, paying the price. Um, your programming should be spot on. It should be good. But once again, you're trying to coach, and there's an art and science behind that. Being on the floor, motivating, pushing buttons making adjustments all of a sudden hey just had an injury report from sports medicine you know pat can't do this he's got to modify this uh being a good coach in that sense to be able to put out fires is always important too so a lot of times for your listeners you know a lot of times a great program on paper looks great and you want to follow that to the t for eight weeks whatever it may be or 12 weeks or six weeks but all of a sudden you got to make adjustments and you got to be a good coach and make adjustments and figure things out and once again you're there to help the student athlete and helping them with your knowledge and expertise and getting them to put in the right position to be successful is what it's all about Coach, what what's your philosophy on, on lifting heavy versus like I feel like the old school way would be like high reps, like lightweight. Like what what would you recommend lifting heavy in the off season, or how would that work for you? Yeah, I mean, there's there, we take a four season approach with our basketball training, and you're really training these days is year round for every sport. I mean, if you're going to be successful, you know, the weight room is a skill like anything else. You know, baseball has a skill component to it. You know, basketball has a skill component to it. So it's a, the weight room is a skill like anything else. It's use it or lose it. So. We go through a four-season approach with our basketball program. We have a 12-week off-season, which is summer. We have a six-week preseason, and now we're in our in-season you know, phase right now, which uh, will last five months because it goes until March or April. Um, postseason is to correct sports medicine issues, get ready for the you know the summer for off-season, that, that type. Uh, but really the, the point also is that your in-season program better be just as good as your off-season program because your in-season is really long, and you don't want to lose that skill. Um, we don't take a lot of pride in season. We don't want to maintain. I'm not a big maintenance guy. I think that's a bad word in the weight room. I think you always should progress and always try to get stronger. Uh, to answer your question about sets and reps, and, you know, intensities, et cetera, um, there's certain times and phases for that. Uh, once again, I'm not afraid to do certain things in season where we are actually trying to lift heavy. Uh, more of that is our upper body. You know, we're trying to bench press and you know, still keep our movement going, try to get a little heavier. I go through just cycles. It, it, it'll be a you – know, we're in a six-week cycle right now. We just started this week because we finished our six-week preseason. Now we're starting our season. So now I've got another six-week cycle that I'll run through until the end of December, which should you know, put us into our, uh, our Big East Conference play in January. And then we go another six-week cycle that puts us through February, um, you know, middle February. And then all of a sudden, hey, then we're in our last six-week cycle of – you know, competitive in a competition where it's, you know, Big East tournament, NCAA, et cetera. So I break things up in little six-week segments. And once again, I'll, I'll take, you know, certain exercises, certain lifts where some of them are heavy, some of them are more moderate, some of them are lighter. Um, and I'll just sort of undulate and just go back and forth, and I'll just program based on that. So once again, there's a time and place for everything. There are some, you know, some high volume. Um, I think high intensity is one way that you would classify our program. We want to make sure we have a high intensity, you know, it's not interval training. It's not high, you know, it's not the hit high intensity interval training, but it is high intensity in the sense that we have effort, we have movement, we have pace. Um, My job, number one, is to never dilute the message of our head coach. 
as a strength coach, you're in a service-oriented type of industry. You're here to serve the athletes, the administrators, the coach, et cetera. So our message for our basketball guys is we want to be tough and attacking and fearless and great teammates, and that's what our head coach expects us to be on the court and in the locker room. And we're going to do the same thing in the weight room. We're going to attack weights. We're going to be fearless. We're going to be tough. We're going to push through barriers, get our guys out of our comfort zone, and we're going to be great teammates. You're going to see our guys coaching each other up in the weight room, pushing each other through workouts. And to me, that's the high-intensity aspect of it. Um, it's not so much that it has to be – you know, sets to failure or guys are throwing up in the trash can or, you know, that's, that's not the point of it is that there are times for heavy weights and low reps. There are times for moderate weight, moderate reps, and there are times for, you know, lightweight, high reps. And I think there's a good blend of that. And that's one thing we can accomplish with, with our programming. And I think we have a good success with that. The other thing we were talking about uh, not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago, was uh, you know you lifting barefoot. Now like I see I came in here and a lot of people were lifting barefoot. I didn't know what was you know really going yeah. on. And you started you know explaining to me like why. Um, can you explain to the listeners like why you believe like lifting barefoot? Yeah, I mean, first of all, disclaimer: we always want to be safe. You know, we want to make sure that if we're in a large setting, we're not doing that. If I have some guys doing some smaller individual group setting where I know I can keep a better eye on them, they could be really conscious of what's around them, where the weights are going. The you know, last thing you want to do is have an accident and you know, drop a weight on a foot or stub a toe or something. But the point is you know, we've gotten really invested in you know, working from the ground up. Um, our world sometimes is not made for our basketball guys. You know, being 6'8", 6'10", 6'11", sometimes, desks are small, chairs are small, planes are small, cars are small, beds are small. So it's hard for them to get out of their comfort zone sometimes. So that's why sometimes with our taller athletes we start on the ground and do a lot of ground-based movements where we have our tumbling mats out, we're doing mobility work, we're doing soft tissue work on our ankles. We do a functional movement screen with our guys, and every year we find out in this, you know, repetitive is that our hips are tight, our ankles are tight. So we're trying to make sure we release that tension and get that soft tissue work in our hips and ankles. If our guys have you know, periodic knee problems, which a lot of tall guys do, a lot of basketball guys do with the repetitive nature of running and jumping, the best thing to think about knee or patellar tendonitis issues are what's above the knee, below the knee, and that's the hip and ankle. Let's address those issues. For us, to answer your question about barefoot training is that our guys also wear shoes 18 hours a day. It's stylish. It's what you know everybody wants, to, you know, this Jordan brand that and this new shoe that, and they want to be seen and be stylish, and I get that. But, you know, feet are not made for shoes sometimes. You know, it's best to, to try to get your feet relaxed and go barefoot and walk around and feel, you know, asphalt or carpet or rocks or whatnot. And uh, there's a couple of good sites that we'll follow. One uh, one Instagram account that we've we've taken a liking to is called the the Foot Collective. Uh, a lot of good ideas on how to manipulate your toes and ankles and um, and understand that your feet, you know, technically probably should look like your hands. You should be able to spread your toes out and get your webbing turned out. And the point is, you know, the answer to the question Pat, is that we want to have force and contact in the ground. And in order to produce force, uh, we have to be able to move and jump and laterally move and vertically jump and run forward and, and backwards. We got to be able to produce force, and strength produces force. Muscles produce force. In order to produce force, we've got to have that foot contact. So I want to make sure our guys are understanding that having a good, you know, tripod of, you know, big toe, little toe, heel, having that contact in the ground, feeling that foot spread out in the ground, not let the shoe do the work, let the foot do the work. Because when you wear shoes when you train, the foot does the work. Your ankles, your 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 feet don't have any kind of, you know, compensation. They have compensation because the foot is, do, or the shoe's doing the footwork. And we want to make sure that we can take those shoes off, have our socks on, or have our bare feet if guys want to, and actually feel that foot contact the ground. And make sure we're taking care of those, you know, five digits down there that can be the really the foundation of your of your body. So something we're, we're playing around with. Once again, we're selective with who we do it with. Make sure we have the right, you know, size of groups and the exercises we're doing. Make sure we're not doing anything that's going to compromise or get somebody hurt. But like I said, we're we're trying to do some things to to get better, and that's one thing that we're we're trying to investigate and talk a little bit about. Um, 
couple guys in town. Cincinnati's a great area for training, a lot of great minds, and some other guys in town are, are talking to us a little bit about that as well, and we're learning some things from them. And it's been a good uh, good relationship talking to some some guys around town to help us out with that. So Yeah, I love the concept of that, and it makes sense, you know, the way you explain it as well. Um, we've hit on, you know, the strength part, the conditioning part, mobility. Um, for your athletes, uh, what how big of a role does nutrition play? You know, we always have this, this sort of age-old discussion with, with college athletics. And once again, we, you know, I was a college athlete. We understand these guys are as well. You know, you're here to, you know, go to school, academics first. You're here to play your sport, whether it be, you know, basketball, baseball. You're here to, you know, have good social standing, good character. Uh, but also, you know, it's, it's college. You know, we want to live our life a little bit too. So, you know, the, the, the debate is always is sleep priority or is nutrition priority. Um, hydration is always key. you got to be able to pump water. Water is your best uh, you know, anabolic to build your body, uh, pump water, you know, hydrate. Uh, and then the, the debate is, Hey, is it nutrition or is it sleep? Uh, nutrition has got to be a, a, a building block, you know, recovery. And what I get trying to get my guys to understand is that when we're lifting weights, we're breaking the body down. When you want to build the body back up, you got to do it in the kitchen and do it in the bed. Um, so you got to sleep and you got to eat and you got to do that properly. Once again, you know, we try to be experts at everything we can't, you know, we have consultation, you know, times with our dietitians. Uh, we consult with our dietitians in town. They help our guys out. Uh, we have educational sessions with you know sport teams that bring dietitians in to talk about. We can we can disseminate basic information, um, but we can't get really technical with you know some of the ins and outs. So we have consultations with those folks. But uh, nutrition's got to be important. You got to build the body, repair the muscle, you know, get the body ready for the next day of competition. So yeah, nutrition's critically important. Really is. And then sleep, same thing. Is it? Is it you know, is it, you know, neck and neck? Yeah. You know, sleep, nutrition, et cetera. You got to take care of both those. How many hours of sleep would you recommend? You know, everybody's different. Um, you know, some people can get by with, you know, five or six hours. Some people need eight or nine hours. Um, quality versus quantity. It's all about everything. Just can you get quality sleep? Um, we tried to, you know, impress upon our folks with education is that you want to make sure you take care of your senses. So think about sight and smell and hearing and touch and taste. Um, it's all about discipline, routine. Uh, I've learned a lot of things from other people that are a lot smarter than me that have talked about that discipline and that routine. Um, having routines, so to speak, like uh, you know, going to bed at night. What's your routine? You cut the lights off. You take the dog for a walk. You wash the dishes. You know, whatever it may be to tell your body it's time to go to bed. Start shutting down. Uh, the biggest culprit, I think, sometimes is hard in dorms. You know, you have distractions with TVs and iPads and phones and computers. You know, cutting off that blue light technology. Uh, make sure that you can have night settings on. All your Apple devices, so that you know the, the the light doesn't interfere with the melatonin you know, production in your in your brain, and that you can actually shut your brain down and start going to sleep a little bit. Your brain's always active; it never stops. And you may be fatigued and tired, but and you're trying to go to sleep, but you can't. But because you just stared at a TV for the last two hours, your brain's still processing that; and it's still active. Um, so it's important to sort of like put those things aside. Um, so sight's important. You know, TVs cut those off. Dark rooms. Smells are important, you know, lavenders, eucalyptus, that type of thing. Temperature, like touch, is important. Cool rooms, 68 degrees is always what the research is saying. Um, I say routines with taste. Like, say, it could be that routine of brushing your teeth, having that taste of, you know, Arm & Hammer toothpaste on your tongue, and that taste sort of gets your body that sense of, hey, it's time to go to bed. It could be, like, resetting your central nervous system for a second, a quick foam roll, quick stretch. Um, so, like I say, go through some of those senses. Um, you know, hearing. Like I say, if you feel like, you know, dorms are loud or rooms are loud, Noisemakers, like little baby noisemakers that make you know sounds of like oceans and wind and rain and birds and you know those things are like some some things you know tricks you may need a sleep mask you may need earplugs I mean 
there's different ways to do it, and then a lot of times it's just a habit and a routine. You need to do it for about three weeks, and once you can do it for about three weeks, a lot of times you can be ingrained, and it just goes and goes and goes. You just keep up with that discipline, that routine. 68 degrees. I didn't know that. I'm going to start trying that yeah. out a little bit. You want, it, you want it to be cool. You want it to be cool. You want it not too cold, not too hot, but 68 is what, what a lot of the research is saying. That's that's pretty sweet. Um, one last question, then yeah. we'll let you get going here. You've been at Xavier for nine years now. Who is the strongest athlete in any sport? Because I know there was a point. I remember. I think it was my sophomore year. Yeah. You actually trained like literally every sport at one time. Yeah, we had a we had a process here. We had a unfortunately we lost an assistant, and at the same time, the university had a hiring freeze. So myself and our other assistant were training you know, all the teams, and we were we were getting after it. 12 15 hours a day so but uh strongest, strongest athlete, athlete you've trained at xavier golly i mean sport. i hate to, i hate to i hate to say this but it probably was a baseball player really it probably was like joey forney it probably oh, was oh, yeah yeah i mean really i mean phenomenally strong guy i mean really had had absolute strength where he could do like single reps but he also had that endurance where he could you know knock out some phenomenal weight for a lot of reps too so uh we've I mean, say it's, it's tough to say sometimes like our basketball guys are strong and sometimes you may not see it because their arms and legs are so long. So when you think about that, you know, a guy with short arms moving 185 on the bench press versus a guy with long arms moving 185, the guy with the long arms is actually stronger as he moves the weight further. But, you know, a guy that really got after it, a guy that was really strong, you know, I'd say Forney was probably probably up there. There's, there's a couple of animals. We've always said this. Our baseball program has always been the, been the hardest working program on campus, and that's the culture the coaches set up and the players and the seniors set up. But – um, there's a couple guys out here now that, that uh, Coach Damian, Lehrman, my sister. Yeah, Damien's uh, – he's what an animal. I know. Did you, were you here when Josh Duncan was here? I wasn't. I wasn't. He was okay. here before I was. So basketball-wise, he's got, wise, got, he's got our, our NBA Combine 185 bench press reps record at 34. Four? Yeah. So, so I've had a couple of our players get 25. I've had two guys at 25, one guy at 24, a couple guys at 23. We've got multiple guys over 20, but 34 with Duncan, that was not me. Yeah, okay. that was not me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Foreign Dog, we'll make sure you know. Foreign, yeah. you, you, got, you got a shout yeah. out. Yeah. You know. All right. Appreciate it, Coach. No, I enjoyed it. Thanks, Pat. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much.